Welcome to Fitness in the Word with Benjamin Kasanja. Every time God shows up, definitely he's serious. God is not a joker. Hallelujah. He's serious. He, he, he means what he says and he says what he means. Whatever he does is not secondary. Whatever he does is primary. Whatever he does is what was meant to be done. Praise the Lord. Uh, there, is no, there is nothing like God is like, okay, I'll just do this. No, there is nothing like that. Whatever he does has real eternal purpose that it comes for. And as we, 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 we go to look at Gideon and God, we are going to look at the conversation Gideon is having with God, and this is going to help us to see something. Uh, today's title is, How Can I Be Sure? How Can I Be Sure? And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites. Hallelujah. And he said unto him, if now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee, and bring forth my presence, and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. Now God tells him, I will tarry until you, until you come. I will wait. Now when we go on earlier, we're going to see that the Bible says the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. And if you were here many years ago during the time I was doing this series, I really explained this. I said the angel of the Lord. In the Old Testament, whenever we see the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, and in some versions it's actually in capital. Yeah, They've, they've put it in, in capital letters. Yeah. The angel of God, the angel of God, the angel of the Lord. Theologians believe he's referring to God himself, to God himself. And you will see that many times in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord. And you realize that whenever he says the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord speaks in first person. You realize that when an angel just appeared, many times they speak as a reporter. But when he talks about the angel of the Lord, it is normally in first person. He speaks as God. They believe the angel of the Lord refers to God. And when he says the angel of the presence of the Lord refers to the Holy Spirit. Who is God? Praise the Lord. He talks about the angel of the presence of the, the angel of the presence of God, which is referring to the Holy Spirit. So we believe that in this Scenario, Gideon was literally speaking to God. And Gideon tells God, if I have found favor, I want a sign. I want proof that you are the one that I'm speaking to. And 2 Corinthians 13.1, this is the third time I am coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. Now, both of them are quoting the Old Testament. This was said in Deuteronomy. It's Moses who told them this, that at the witness of two or three, a matter shall be established. And, you know, this is proof that Paul wrote three letters to, to the Corinthians. What we call the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians, Paul calls it the third. 
was coming to them the third time. So he had written, it's believed that there is a letter that was not canonized, but he had written three letters to them. And he's saying that at this, a matter shall be established. This is scripture. God gave Moses this, even if it was in the Old Testament, but it shows us God's heart. Gideon asking, show me a sign if I have found favor before you. If you are really the one who... Man! <laughs> you know, when we were, when we were talking about, about he speaks to us because we are friends, that is when I was explaining that one of the hindrances of people getting clarity of the voice of God today is thinking that he made it so obvious for these people than he does today. You get know what I mean? We think it was, ah, for Gideon, you know, it was just obvious. This is God speaking. How many of you would God appear, come and appear to you and speak to you like this from nowhere? And you would ask for a sign. You get know what I mean? It was not obvious for them. They had to learn to hear the voice of God. And you see, today we would think that needing confirmation from God is a wrong thing. You see, there is a difference between being cynical and wanting to confirm. God wants us to confirm. He wants us to receive confirmation. He wants us to know. Because you'd think the Midianites have taken these people, the Midianites have, 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 have taken over Israel, they've taken their fields, it's, it's a bad time for the people of God. So if God is showing up, definitely he's showing up to mean business. So you would think if he showed up and someone's like, oh, I need a sign, God would be like, you're wasting my time. Do you know that this is a crisis? Do you know we're in a time of turmoil? There is no time for that. But he tells him, I'll wait. I'll wait until you come back. Yeah. And when we continue, he says, depart not hence, I pray until I come unto thee and bring forth my present and he, he told him uh, until thou come again I'll tell you until thou come again and Gideon went in and made ready a kid unleavened cakes of an ephah of flour the flesh he put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot and brought it out unto him under the oak and presented it and the angel of God said, let's read that in NKJV, New King James Version. The angel of God, you see, the, the angel of, the, of God is put in capital, and I don't know if, it, if, if easy worship does, there are some times that easy worship does not put some of these as they are in their versions. But the angel of God said to him, take the meat, and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth and he did so this angel didn't like Zufu. then the angel of the lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread and fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread and the angel of the Lord. Yeah, now he's saying the angel of the Lord. It's King James that was saying. So you see, it's all uh, in capital. Departed out of his sight. Hallelujah. 
The angel didn't wait for him to say that sign is sufficient. He departed. But to any of us, you know, we are thinking, wow, that would be enough. I'm not that daft. Yeah. We're going to realize that Gideon kept asking for signs. <laughs> this was not, it was not enough that somebody can stretch out a stick and fire catches. That, like that was not enough that you're God or you're from God, whatever it was. He went on to ask for, he went on to ask for signs. And God was patient. He waited. If you go to, to verse 36, so Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, you remember God, that's what God had told him earlier? God doesn't waste time. He came on earth to meet you, to tell you that through you he's going to save Israel. And you tell him, God, if you are really going to, you know, even as, as a boss, I would think you doubt my authority. <laughs> I would catch feelings. Praise the Lord. If, 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 if you're around somebody who is very volatile, hey, hey, that's an insult. I've, come, I've said, I'm coming to pay your school fees. Ah, if you really are going to pay my school fees, say, okay, I will not pay it. <laughs> that's what I will tell you. So you know, you'd think God would be like, okay, I'll save them through another person. Let me look for another person. He's still asking for confirmation. Yeah? Let's go on. Look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only, and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. That was a lot of dew on the fleece, as in that was a very big sign. Even the blind person could have seen that one. You know, he's put on the threshing floor, the threshing floor is dry, and the fleece, that is the, the fleece is what? Wool from sheep, yeah? And it was wet. This is the second time he's asking for confirmation. As in, you know, you, if, if it were somebody, maybe like Abraham, he would just build an altar there and say, oh, surely the Lord has spoken. Not Gideon. Let's go on. <laughs> and Gideon said unto the Lord, let not thine anger be hot against me. <laughs> you see? He's thinking like many of you would think. And I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee. But this once with the fleece. Let it now be dry upon the fleece, and upon the ground let there be dew. <laughs> and God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece, only there was dew on all the ground. Yeah? God is allowing Gideon to put him to, to test. And he goes on with this, and you realize that even later, this was not sufficient. These signs were not, these are three signs. And you see at the, at the witness of two or three, a matter should be established. The, the, the meat caught fire, the fleece had dew, the ground had the dew, and it was not enough. And later as you go on to read, you realize that he again told him to go and listen at the tents of the Midianites. And he had them 
talk about this dream where the bread came and it hit the tent and they're like that's the sword of Gideon and, and they were frightened still there God just kept wanting Gideon to be sure that it was God speaking to him so God wants to give you confirmation God is okay with you getting confirmation when you hear his voice he loves it never feel like I'm not so sure but I think God will not be happy with me if I don't act. No. God wants you to be sure. God wants you to know his voice. He wants to give you confirmation. Praise the Lord. And we see he does this in the Bible. Look at Peter in Acts chapter, it's Acts chapter 10, when he was in Joppa. You know Joppa is today the current what? What is that city called in Israel? Jaffa. 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 Yeah. It's, it's, it's what used to be called Joppa. And Peter is up there. And the first sheet rolls out. And he's told, take it. And he says, I will not eat. I will not take what, what God has considered unclean. Second time. And imagine all this time God is not mad at him. Because Peter is not sure of what God is meaning. God has to confirm. God tells him, do not call what the Lord has purified and clean. And sends three people from Cornelius to come and call him. And God told him, yeah, you will go with those three men. Praise the Lord. When he was not sure, God wanted him to be sure. God wants you to be sure. God wants to lead you. God wants you to have confirmation that he is the one speaking to you. Somebody one time came and told me, I'm not so sure if it is God telling me to do this and this, and yet I don't want to disobey. What if I miss God? I told him, don't do it if you're not sure. You will not miss him. How do you miss what you're not sure of? You know, it is different from disobedience. You know, disobedience is when you have all the clarity. You're very sure. And I'm not so sure if this is the person God is telling me to marry. What if I don't marry them? Then don't marry them. God will manufacture a new one for you. A very wonderful one. You get what I mean? Yes. God wants to give you confirmation. God wants to give you confirmation. And when he gives you confirmation, you obey. Because you see, as we were talking about uh, valuing his voice, treasuring his voice, we steward by using what we have. Using the, like, whatever you receive, are you putting, are you putting to use? Because I know there are other people who are like, oh, God is not telling, but if God has told you many things and you're not moving, you're not taking any step, and you want him to continue telling you, that is, that is, it is just like you if, you, if you have somebody that you've employed, you've told them, do this, they didn't do, do this, they didn't do. You would be a fool to keep giving them assignments, isn't it? Maybe the only assignment you can give them is to, to leave. Praise the Lord. Pack your bags and leave. That may be the extra assignment that you give to them. And there is that. Many times people are not getting clarity or they are not hearing the voice of God just because they are disobedient. This is not what we are talking about. We are talking about somebody who needs confirmation. It is a good thing to desire confirmation. And God is for it. God is not mad at you if you are waiting for confirmation. And take your time until you get the confirmation. 
You don't want to get in trouble just because you didn't wait to confirm. Take your time and wait for confirmation. Praise the Lord. And confirmation does not mean that he will give you all the pieces. It just means that he will clarify that it is him speaking to you. Confirmation may not be. Confirmation for Gideon was to hear that the Midianites are terrified. That was before, that God didn't tell him you're going to fight with 300 men. You're only going to take 300 men out of your army of 30,000 and what? Imagine later you realize that Gideon asks them, God tells them that no, the army is too big. Because the army was 30,000 something. He tells him it's too big. And when he tells him, ask those who are scared to go. And Gideon comes and says, now if you're scared, Ah, uh, you're okay to go. We will not cut your salary. 22,000 people leave. What an army. <laughs> an army that the nation was depending on. 22,000 out of the 30,000 were scared. So, you know how that is reassuring? Imagine like... <laughs> find all these policemen here and you feel you're secure and they tell you, hey, we are also scared. I say, Buddha, Tulia, we are also scared. Very reassuring. Our God, <laughs> God, so God didn't show him all those pieces. He had to confirm it is the voice of God. So there are people who wait to act on what God is saying because they want all the pieces. God says, give this. Oh God, if I give, so how shall I, how shall I do this? How shall I buy airtime? How shall I do this? How shall I do this? How shall I do this? That is not the confirmation I'm talking about. I'm talking about confirmation of God is this what you're saying. Yeah? And, and you see, I see this a lot, especially when it comes to, to marriage. You know, someone's like, oh, I'm sure this is the person. But you know, I, I don't have this. I don't have this. I don't have this. Oh, so-and-so told me this. So-and-so told me this. So -and -so. Whoever is telling you not to marry them, they already married. You, you get what I mean? So, you have confirmation from God. And they call the other and say he's not sure of her. The other is not sure of him. The other is not sure of him. Then, what has God said? Do you have confirmation? You don't need the whole puzzle put together. You just need to know God has said this. And you go out in faith. Praise the Lord. And when we are talking about us being friends, we are saying... The Bible says in Hebrews 11 that all these by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, meaning, humanly speaking, every time they had the voice of God, it did not necessarily make sense, logical sense. Otherwise, it would not have been by faith. It was beyond that. Gideon has never been a soldier. Gideon has never been an army commander. The soldiers God is telling him to lead, 22,000 are scared. Now, you, you, you've never been a soldier. The soldiers are scared. So, and you're going to lead these people to, to victory? You get what I mean? It had to take faith. He had to just be sure this is God speaking and take that step. God speaking to you does not mean it's going to make it easy. God speaking to you should make it easy for you to make that choice. But it does not mean that the choice is going to be easy. Like what you decide to follow is going to be easy. It does, it does not mean that. But in the end, it 
answers very well. In the end, it gives you it gives you what? It gives you peace. Following God, you will end up in peace. You will end up in victory. You will end up in God's best for you because you followed him. On the way, in the process, it may not even look that way. But in the end, it surely pays. When we forfeit, if we don't listen to his voice, we don't take his counsel, it is going to be disaster. No matter how knowledgeable we are, no matter how hardworking we are, no matter how diligent we are, he told Paul, it is hard to kick against the gods. It's hard to kick against the pricks. Telling Paul, you cannot, as long as you're out of line with God, as long as you're not in line with God, you, you, you know, that is what some of you didn't go to, to through school of deliverance, you know, dealing with generational curses and what. There is something there, let me tell you, there is, there, is, there, is, there is a condition there that is called, should I tell you? Are you going to write notes? <laughs> it is called near success syndrome. You almost test success. Now, apart from whatever we were told in the school of deliverance, this is the real cause of near success syndrome. Not following the voice of God. Things may seem to be good, but I'm telling you, they are going to poromoka. You told me they poromoka. Yeah, they are going to poromoka. You're going to build and build, you know. I've, I've, I've built cubes with, with my daughter and I, you know at times she's putting bigger pieces, you know she wants to put this small piece down, then she's like oh Baba let's put this, we are building a castle I'm like my daughter, that thing is going to poromoka we need a farm base before we can't just keep adding cubes and adding, adding no, you need to look at the base, which base is supporting this, she wants it to be very tall then when it reaches she wants to carry it and take to mama, mama we be <laughs> And it poromokas immediately. Near success syndrome. <laughs> that is why God wants us to follow his... He says, these are way that seemeth right to a man, but in the end they are the ways of destruction. So the opposite is true. There is a way that seems wrong to a man, but in the end it will be the ways of life. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Set that time. Make that appointment. I can assure you, you will hear from God every other day. You'll hear from God every other day. Let me tell you, every time I have ignored the voice of God, I have got in trouble. Every time. And I can count for you many things that I have done wrong, and for sure, there would have been opportunity to do them right. I just thought I was a soldier. You see, today I put on my soldier suit. <laughs> but you know, when you see in the military, they, they, there are times they say what? Override. You get what I mean? Like there is, there is this and this, there is maybe this hindrance. So, you know, according to the instruction they were given, they are not meant to maybe go past a certain what. But now because of the situation, they are told override. Yeah? Now that will not work with hearing the voice of God. You cannot override. I've seen many times after receiving confirmation chose to override. Why? Because sometimes we think that we are too sharp. 
God is delaying. We should save the situation. We should rescue, yes. But you know, every time I chose to override, and many times it is because the devil appeals to us through what we see, what we hear, what we touch. You get what I mean? That's how the devil appeals to us. So he will mount pressure on the outside. He will mount pressure on the outside. I've told you this, this, I told you this, I think even, was it last Sunday or on Thursday, when I had this dream three times? It was last Sunday or Thursday? On Sunday. And you know, during that time, why I was taking these jobs, it is because that time my parents, my dad had become sick, so like their finances had just gone down. So I really, really thought that I'm the one who is going to be the savior of our family. I'm going to pay school fees for my siblings. So I told them I should not even finish school. Let me just go get these jobs. And I sought our family. I really felt like I was a savior. You get what I mean? The situation, because at that time I had also had not paid school fees. And the exams were coming up. And I had not paid school fees. So I'm like, now my parents have to pay school fees for me. They have to pay for my siblings. They have. Why don't I just go out? You know God is telling me no. And you know, the devil, like I've said, will put pressure on the outside. I saw, I didn't see a way of God could, could deal with this situation. You know, you would feel like God, in Swahili you would say, God, unajichocha. <laughs> this is tough. You know, that's what has, I felt like this has come to an end. We are going to drop out of school. We are going to, you, you get what I mean? And you know, three times he tells me, no, you're not going to do that. Go preach the gospel. Go preach the gospel. You know, today, all my siblings, apart from one, have graduated. The other one is doing his master's. My parents are still paying for the master's. As in, you know, I look back and I'm like, wow, the devil would have lied to me. I don't know where I would be now. I don't know. I would, have, I would never, maybe I would, that's where my being a preacher would have ended. You get what I mean? Yeah. So I look back with the situation seemed impossible. I seemed to be the savior of that situation. And many things have happened like that. Many things come where you feel like if, if I don't rescue this, but you know, you have peace in your heart. And many times also God gives us, God gives us people. Some of you are married. I'm married. Many times, you know, and now I have learned. Many husbands take so long to learn. But uh, I've learned, you know, if my wife is not sure of it, you know. You know, at the witness of two or three. So if I can't even get one witness on my side. Maybe as we go on, I'll have time to tell you some of the, just to talk about, rarely talk about the failures. But to tell you about how many of my failures and just knowing that it was just being foolish, not listening to God like you're sure. I've been conned of money, I've been earned. All that was, you know, the, like, in your heart, you know. But, you know, you feel like, this is going to help me. This is what I need to do right now. This is what we should do right now. And some don't make sense, but you feel like this is what God is telling us to do right now. And at times, you don't see the resources, you don't see this, you're like, let's divert all this to that. And just because God has given you that confirmation, it turns out well. 
Many times when God speaks to us, especially in this area of finances, we are starting to make things right. When we start to make things right, a seed has to fall into the ground. And if a seed falls into the ground, it will abide alone. It will die. Then it will bear fruit. But now I've had people who have, somebody has not been tithing, handling their money very well. Then now they're like, Pastor, this month I'm going to start. And at the end of the month, they're like, why didn't I get school fees? My friend, <laughs> the seed has not even died yet. It's just it's fresh in the ground. Let it die. Let it be abide alone. It's going to be a painful process. But in the end, it is going to be worth it. It is going to be a good process. So when God speaks a word to you, because that word is a seed, sometimes that word is going to be tested. It has to be tested. So there, is go- there may be just that God has spoken does not mean the peace, uh, I mean the, 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 the results are going to come today, right now. Uh, but if you obey, in the end you're like, wow, I'm so glad I obeyed. I'm so glad I obeyed. He spoke to Abraham about him having a son. That seed was tested. 25 years later is when Abraham had Isaac. 25 years later. And you can imagine that test that he went through during all that time. So, if God is speaking to you, especially about a correction, about changing things, God is a God of process. Because in process, we are made. Process makes us. Process makes us. You know, when, 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 when people go for bodybuilding, you know, you can get a quick a quick way you can be you can pump steroids into your body and all these different things yeah those things evade process but the repercussions are so bad the consequences are so bad so fatal you may never recover hallelujah imagine if you're a coach for bodybuilders you badly want to win that medal. This is your opportunity. The only time you've got into Olympics. If there is a way you can use certain illegal things and not be found out so that you can just get the medal. Do you know what that would mean? You don't care for your players. You're just so interested in getting the medal. God is not that way. He's not just so interested in you winning souls for him. He's not just so interested in you standing here and giving a powerful testimony. He's interested in you also. But if you gave that powerful testimony, but it destroyed you, he's interested in you also. And that is why it has to be that process. Because in the process, you are also built. And sometimes the process is not comfortable. Sometimes the process is not pleasant. It's not what we love to do. So whenever we, come, whenever we are coming to a correction, something wrong. Let me say, we have done something wrong. Many times our desire is that God just takes us from the wrong we are in to the right. But you know, it is just like when you're using a GPS. He says this word is for reproof, correction. And this is correction. When you're using GPS, you know when you get lost, does GPS carry your car and put you where you're meant to be? Yes. You have to go back until you either reach where you got lost, where you went off direction from. You get there. 
then you yeah so god will always take you back to where you lost force and you start again and for many people that is too yeah that is too much but that is the way of life you can continue getting lost because you're like now because you know if you realize you're getting lost stop getting lost they say if you realize if you're digging a pit you stop digging you know you don't keep digging a pit for yourself you you know you just stop digging you go back and it may be a process because that's how you you got there i was listening to some health experts and you know talking about certain things about reversing certain things like you know uh, muscles that are disrelated and all that like someone wants to so this this scientist is saying you know that didn't happen overnight so don't expect me to perform a miracle and change it overnight because like many clients come and they want that they, 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 they don't want the process of the physiotherapy or whatever they need to go through to rebuild those muscles they think that and you see many people many people who go to the gym are very there are many people who are so ignorant they think that supplements give you muscles you know what i mean there are many people who think that once you buy supplements you get muscles supplements are food you get what i mean yes so you can eat all you want if you're not working the muscles it is useless so many people come and they're like just can't you just tell me some supplements and you know that's how they market themselves how to get a six pack without doing crunches how to get you know how to get everything without doing anything those are the adverts now you get what i mean yes how to get with how to to lose how much weight without dieting or exercising how to how to do what how to yeah how to make money without working how to you know eh, th those are the things that they <laughs> and the only person making money is that one and he's working that's why he's got you he's he's working <laughs> yeah why is he advertising why is he working if he could make that money without working why is he even dressing properly to speak that is work sit don't work and make your money without working it is not that way and so even with god it is that as we hear his voice there are corrections that are going to come and at times they are going to be very painful they are going to be but in the end we are going to be like we are so glad we went back to this you know i've always told you this that one of the blunders that we really made as a ministry one of them was the next gen as god spoke to us earlier to pull out of that next gen deal when we wanted that that place and we lost over seven hundred thousand in that place and it was a lesson and we had to come back you know because at first you know at first we were we would have lost about 200 something we thought that was too much to lose why don't we just push things may get better you know how do we lose 200,000 but you see now we get at 700 and we realize this thing this is not what God wants this thing is not right you know we would have thought again 700 is a lot why don't we push you know we would be losing millions now Definitely it was hard to lose the 700,000. And we lost all of it. But it was the right decision to make. It was the, like getting back on course from there was the right thing. 
losing that was the price to pay. Somebody said normally that sacrifice is the price for disobedience. It is normally that. If you walk in obedience, you wouldn't need to pay many of those prices that you, you pay. Yeah, but when you walk in disobedience, you need to come back to that. You need to go back to that. Even the world knows it. They call it paying school fees. It is school fees you pay. Yeah, so we see Gideon, Gideon, Gideon is speaking, and God is not, God is not, God is not mad at him. God wants him to, God wants to get him to get confirmation. God is okay with that, and God wants that for you as a child of God. And it is okay for you to get confirmation. Now we are going to look at three ways in which we can confirm. Three ways to be sure this is God speaking to me. And these three ways always work. Now they may not be the only ways. I know you may go somewhere else and you hear a preacher telling you 15 ways to know God is speaking to you. Number one, the word. That is the number one. Number one. Supreme. Above all the others. Matthew chapter 19, verse 3. The Pharisees also came. <laughs> you see? Have you ever come to church and you say, so and so also came? The Pharisees also came to him. <laughs> you know, you should never be counted among the also. You get what I mean? <laughs> so you also came, you know. <laughs> The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him. You know, you've also come, and your work is to tempt. You've also come to church, and your work is to criticize pastor, you know. You know, you know I told you I'm, that I'm learning to be choleric. Actually, I'm going for mentorship classes. Many of these, these life coaches, they should introduce a course on being choleric. But I'm following that what means is enough. That man. And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read? Hallelujah. These are Pharisees. They are coming. They're like, Oh God, we want to hear. We want to hear from God. We want to hear from God. But we don't want to read his word. That's how many of us come. I don't want to read your word. But I want to hear your voice. First confirmation is the word of God. Jesus points them to the word of God. He says, haven't you read? Haven't you read? In other words, if they had just read, they would not need confirmation. They would not need to come to him. If they had just read. How many Christians have been so gullible just because they did not read? You who read the word, somebody comes to you and they tell you how they were taken advantage of and you want to speak like Jesus. Haven't you read? You get what I mean? I went, I was told, oh, for to be prayed for, for headache, I can pay 200. But if it is cancer, I need to pay this big amount. Haven't you read? Haven't you read? Reading. The word of God is the first confirmation. God's word will never contradict itself. God's word will never contradict itself. So if you say you've heard from God, God is leading you into something, God has spoken to you about something, does it contradict the word of God? Does it contradict the word of God? Then it is not God. He will never contradict himself. He will never. 
And we say, oh, but the Bible seems to be... No, your interpretation may contradict. But the word does not contradict. There is a right interpretation. There is an absolute when it comes to the word of God. So our interpretations may differ, but those are our interpretations. Yesterday I discovered that the disciples didn't have a car. So imagine if I'd been here all this while preaching to you that the disciples had a car. Twice, twice the, the, the Bible says they were in one accord. You know, I used to wonder how they fit in a Honda. You know the Honda Accord? I'm like, 120? They were in just one Honda Accord? Like when they were all in one accord. Why don't they buy a bus? Why don't they use a bigger vehicle? All of them in one. You know, you've gone to East Pocot, and in East Pocot we were seated in this our car we were how many we were 12 11 12 11 with 12 jerrycans of water 20 liter jerrycans you should see the pictures i have the pictures you should post them some people were seated in the middle here another person is seated this like just at the front i was the driver and the the guys we have here we had some of these small people seated on the steering wheel No, no one sat on the steering wheel. I refused. I, I refused. I just said, no one is going to sit on the steering wheel. I was choleric. I chose as a pastor. I said, no one will sit on the steering wheel. But they would have sat. <laughs> People sat everywhere. And we are, because you know, we are there. It's the only means of transport. Hey, And you know, we are getting out. And you know, if we had a camera outside, you know, counting how people are getting out, you wonder where. Yeah, so... You, you, you can interpret it anyhow, you know. Like your interpretation is not, is not the final interpretation. The word of God interprets itself. That's why it says in, in, in is it First Corinthians where it says spiritual things, interpreting spiritual things, or so explaining spiritual things by spiritual things. It is word by the word. And like we have read, at the witness of two or three, a matter is established. Even doctrine, we can't base doctrine on one scripture. That is poor Bible interpretation. So some of the things we believe, like the other time I was telling you about the thing of soul ties, soul ties. I'm like, whoever talks about soul ties just has one scripture. Okay, I may not say it is wrong, but come and show me three scriptures. And the soul tie they are talking about, the one scripture is a good soul tie. Yet everyone who tells us about soul ties, they are telling us about the bad ones. Yeah. Oh, you slept with six people, you share their soul, you have all those six people, or oh, you... You get what I mean? What of the hundred people I prayed with? <laughs> but you know, somebody will just get one verse. Nephilim spirits, Nephilims, 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 Nephilims. Get one scripture. You come and teach things. Let's pray that the Prince of Persia does not hinder our prayers. Do you live in Persia? Look at your skin color, for God's sake. Do you live in Persia? Are you from Iran? Are you, are you an Iranian? Are you an Iranian? Yeah, let's say, that, let's say the Prince of Persia was there. You get what I mean? He's busy. Iranians are so many. You, you, and you think he has time to come and hinder your prayers also. He has to first hinder the ones for the other people. 
story. You remember in Daniel, the prince of Persia hindered their prayers. The prince of Persia hindered their prayers. He was of Persia. He was not the prince of Kenya. He was not the prince. He was the prince of Persia. But you see, you can get more than three scriptures that prove to you that when Jesus died on the cross, that temple veil was torn. Where was made? There was access. Your prayer does not need to go through any prince, over any prince. There is proof for doctrine that when we pray, we pray directly to God. Praise the Lord. Our prayers are hitting the ceiling. We grew up in a house where we had no ceiling. So do you think God favored us? <laughs> yeah? There's no ceiling for our prayers to hit. So you say, God has Ubaguzi. Oh, he created Pastor Benjamin in a house with no ceiling, so his prayers could not be hindered. Yeah? <laughs> Even in this church, <laughs> yeah, your prayers can't hit any ceiling here. That means people with grass-touched houses, are, their prayers are being answered so fast. No. God is here. That's why we said, let's bow. Let's, uh, let's bow and talk to God. <laughs> let's bow our heads and talk to him. <laughs> you don't need to direct your prayers through the ceiling. It is hitting the ceiling because that's where you directed it. So if the prince of Persia is up there and you direct, you direct towards him, why are you directing towards the prince of Persia? It is so sad that we think. And when you are getting born again, the prince of Persia could not hinder your prayer. He was young. <laughs> you know, no, I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that to make fun of what you believe or what you're preaching in you, at your workplace in Bible study. But, <laughs> it is just to say that the word of God, the word of God has to be interpreted a certain way. Not everything we get on is doctrine. There are things we don't even know because the Bible tells us that the revealed things are for us to know. The things that are not revealed, they're not for us to know now. There are things that we'll get to know later. You will not know everything. So there's somebody who will come and ask me with one scripture, Pastor, why does God say this? I don't know. You know, some of them have searched throughout the whole Bible and there is no other scripture to explain that. So I don't know. And it is not going to, there's a lot to know that I've not yet known. Why should I be spending a lot of time on what I, should, I will, should not know before knowing what I should know? It's like what I was telling you, how people are reading the book of Joshua, the book of Enoch. And you know, one time, you know, I'd said we, we should start our whatever here, our session for apologetics and all that. But you look at that, and I'll really show you how it is so wrong to go into those things. You know, you, first of all, there is no proof that the book of Enoch or the scrolls of Enoch that people are going around with that were written by the very Enoch in the Bible. There is no proof for that. And if they were so important, they would have been in the Bible. They would have been canonized for us. You've never finished the book of John. You don't know the disciples of Jesus. Yes. Yeah, some have had someone tell me that Haman was one of the disciples of Jesus. Haman and Mordecai. But you know, they know all that Joshua wrote. Enoch wrote. 
Why? Because we love being deep. And you see, let me tell you the truth. Many times when you go to small fellowships that are going into these deep things, do you know one thing that characterizes these fellowships? They don't win souls. They don't. Mark of a healthy church, a healthy fellowship, is winning souls. Yeah. They don't. You find people going into depth, they only talk about social issues, they only talk about is it prophetic word, what spirit, look at them and ask this year as a fellowship, how many souls have you won? If you're somewhere where they have no passion for souls, you're in a dead place. And that is why you see the lives of the people you're with are that way. They are that way. If there is no soul winning, that's dead. It's dead. It's dead. The church is here for that, to spread the kingdom of God. So however powerful, if your fellowship is a fellowship where you just come to just soak in the presence of God, to just prophesy to each other, to just no burden for the lost, all you do is just pray for them. None of you comes and says, I won this one to Christ this week. That is a dead fellowship. It is a time bomb. It may go on for 15 years, for 20 years, but one day you will stand before God and you realize you wasted time. All you are adding on was knowledge. And the Bible says knowledge puffs up. And that is what you realize in such small fellowships. You realize that all they talk about is how all others are wrong. That's all they know. Because they are not soul winners. Yeah. So they, whatever they talk, oh, you see, we had so-and-so teaching like this. We had so-and-so teaching like this. Oh, it is wrong. Oh, why doesn't the church do this? Why doesn't the church? They are bitter with the church. They are bitter with the church. Christ's bride. Praise the Lord. Christ, no, you know, there are many things that you can see on the church. They may be flawed, but the church is Christ's bride. So these come from people who are not soul winning. They are going into whatever they think is deep other than soul winning. Don't fall for such things. Don't fall for such things. Let's go read about this. Let's, they have books they read more than they read the Bible. You know, I love you to read books. I've told you to read books. But I want you to read the Bible more than you read any other book. Even my own books. I'm writing and I'll write books. But I wouldn't want it to be ever known that you read my books more than you read the Bible. That is wrong. When you find everything deep, and you see, uh, there is a time I was going to be a victim of such things. Because you know, you think being complicated is equal to being spiritual. It is not. It is not at all. Paul says, let us not lose the simplicity there is that simplicity that the gospel has. And what is that simplicity? If people can come and they love to worship, they can raise their hands and love their maker. They genuinely love Jesus. They love the lost. They can win the lost. They have a passion for this dying world. And they love the basics. They love the word of God. They love prayer. You know, that is as... It does not matter how... You know, that's why I really love Joyce Meyer and her program, enjoying everyday life. Everyday life. Joyce Meyer is so simple. But I'm sure she's one of the people who has raised the most spiritually mature people. Spiritual maturity is not tested by how complex you talk. It is by your character, by your... You know, you find people who have bitterness, you find people can't talk to so-and-so, you find people are like this and this... But they know all these complex things. And they are hating whoever doesn't know these complex things. That is immaturity. Really immaturity. Don't be derailed into such things. Praise the Lord. Don't get into such things. Those are very sad things. So, the word of God is the first confirmation. Have you heard from God? Is it in line with the word of God? 
There is a lady, I know you've heard this testimony, it's been told by many preachers, but there is a lady one time who was, she was praying. She went to the word of God and saw that the Bible says that, that, that if, you, if you have faith in God, if you believe whatsoever things you say, you shall have them. You shall have whatever you believe. So she started believing for Kenneth Copeland to be her husband. And Kenneth Copeland was already married. She said, yeah, with God, nothing is impossible. By faith, by faith. She's exercising her faith. Now, you see, that is not in line with the word of God. So, she may say, I've heard from God. But if it's not in line with the word of God, yeah, if it's not in line with the word of God, it is wrong. So, the word of God should be your first confirmation. Have you heard something? Has God spoken to you about something? Think about it in line with the word of God. What does the word of God say about this matter? You get what I mean? What does the word of God say about this man? Someone's like, oh, God showed me this man. He's the man I should marry. This woman, the woman I should marry. Are they born again? No, they are not born again, but what does the word of God say about that? Well, look at what does the word of God say? Hmm? They are nice. <laughs> what does the word of God say about that? You get what I mean? Yeah. As I went, I'm feeling bad. The pastor has asked, is it for how much money to give? I don't have that money, and I may miss my miracle. He's prophesied to, you know, some told me I've been prophesied to accurately. He told me about this and this, but he told me I must give a seed of this amount to unlock. That's them. Mm. <laughs> so, do you, do, you, do, you ask, do you have that money? No. <laughs> Buy keys and unlock for yourself. You know, and the Bible says, if you're giving, it should, you should not be coerced. It says it should not be out of necessity. God loves a cheerful giver. That scripture already sorts it. You don't need to die over. You don't need to, to think about that overnight. And you know you're thinking, you, you know, somebody said, especially, you know, today you've had somebody, oh, somebody sent me a prophetic message and all this and this. And they said, it, I, should, I should send with this money. I should do this. All that is because of not reading the word and not allowing the word of God to be, to be, to be the standard. The word of God is the standard. You tear that letter as it came. You tear it and you dance to Jehovah. Praise the Lord. Yeah, the word of God. Then number two, godly counsel. Godly counsel. Does godly counsel agree? That is one of the ways for confirmation. Why? Why do we say godly counsel? Because there are things that may not be specific in the written word, the logos. You get what I mean? You may not find something particularly written in the word that tells you that you should take the job in Nakuru instead of the one in Kericho. We need godly counsel because there may not be those specifics. And what is godly counsel? Godly counsel are those that you're sure love God. They know the word of God. And they know you. They know you. They love God. They know the word of God. And they know you. Wanakujua. Marijuana. 
<laughs> you know, for us from Central, that does not mean a drug. Marijuana is, yeah, we go to know, they go to know each other. Yes. <laughs> Marijuana, yes. Marijuana. Yeah, Malikuana kam kuji na na marijuana. Yes, all people in the central marijuana. <laughs> yes, do they know you? Do they know God? Do they love the word of God? Can you tell that they love God and they know you? Proverbs 12:15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Or he that listens to counsel, he that takes counsel. So the way of a fool is, and we've seen, every time you've been foolish, you are just wise in your ways. You get what I mean? You thought you were the genius. You are the rocket scientist in your area. And you started a business. Everyone told you not to do your dad, your mom, your what? said yes even elon musk started tesla no one had done it even you you know you told them and these names now your dad didn't know your mom didn't know <laughs> so you are the genius <laughs> until it failed then they were asking I, 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 you said hello who <laughs> <laughs> at least if you addressed elohim instead of elon Yeah, Proverbs 19:20. Hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in thy later end. That you may be wise in your later end. Verse 21. There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord that shall stand. So if you go to godly people, people who hear the voice of God, people who can tell you, let's pray about it, and you know they will pray about it, and they come back to you, then you're going to receive godly counsel. Praise the Lord. You're going to receive the counsel of the Lord. Very important. Proverbs 24, 6. For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. That's a scripture my mom used to quote for me many times. Nowadays she stopped. I think I've started taking counsel. <laughs> she really used to tell me that many times when I was in high school until I hated it. Imagine hating the word of God. What a shock. <laughs> the in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. And you see, I have said they should know God. Do they know God? Because if they do not know God, let me tell you, good counsel is not necessarily God counsel. There are many things my wife has told me she's heard from uh, bridal showers. Oh, you see, do this, do this. And these are good people. They are not bad people. And they are giving good counsel, but is it God counsel? Is it God counsel? You should be sure that these people know the Lord and they love the Lord. Because that's the only way they can be able to give God counsel. And they know the word of God. 
they know the word of God. Is the word of God, is the word of God an authority in their lives? Can the word of God stop them if they are doing something wrong? You get what I mean? If it is pointed out to them, do they respect the word of God? They know the word of God. They love the word of God. He said, but I'm told this. The word of God tells me this. The word of God tells me this. Because you see, in the other world, you see, first of all, you as a believer, you are not for that world. Every world has its own constitution. So to you, you may look at somebody who seems to be very successful in the other world, but they have no value for the word of God. You may say, oh, but they have what I want. I should go get their counsel. You should know the limit. Now, I'm not saying we should not interact with such people. You've heard me many times refer to people who are non-believers and some good things that they said. But you see, they are not... Whatever things they have said, I, I'm already sure these things don't contradict the word of God. I'm not going to them to seek out on a matter where I should be seeking counsel from people who already know God. We're going to go to a, an unbeliever and they're going to tell you, oh, this is how we do business. Oh, no, this is how it is done in Nairobi. You cannot do You have to take these shortcuts. You can't, oh, no, 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 you can't. I'm going to tell you all that. You need to know that they know God, they love God, they love his word, and they know you. Now, that is very crucial. Especially for us here in church. And that is why we keep saying, you know, like I told you earlier, that a time, will, a time is coming where it is not going to be easy. You see, even just right now, become a little busy, can't meet everyone every time like I used to. And we are not yet that many. But you see, a time is going to come where... It is just, you know, see, look at many of these pastors. Look at pastors we are looking like Bishop Oyedepo, Pastor Chris Oyaklome. They can't even visit church branches. Not pastors, church branches. They have church branches. They will never visit their churches. You know, Bishop Dadjio Adeboy, 50,000 church branches. So even if he chose to visit one every week, he would spend the whole of his life just visiting churches. He would never do anything. And their priorities. You see, you are told he, the man wakes up every day at three. I'm being told, yeah, people who have gone to redemption camp, if you're there praying at 3 a.m., you'll see him with his dog walking. 80 years of age. That is so important. That is what has given him the success that he has. A believer in church thinks that his success should depend on him greeting them and calling them during their birthday. But you see to him, this is very important. At 3 a.m., walking their dog and praying. <laughs> yeah? You know, I was watching this week's, they, they've been having an annual conference. Man, even the cameras cannot get the multitudes. When people get born again, the people who are getting born again would be a very good crusade for you to have. Like that would be a big crusade, just the people who are getting born again. And this is inside the church, inside the, you know, it's not that they've gone out, it's not a soul winning meeting, it's their annual conference, Jubilee something. It's like, come if you want to accept the Lord. 15 minutes later, run, if you can run. People are running. And they said, people they prayed for last year who are barren, who have got children. You know, thousands coming with their babies dancing. Babies one month. 
two weeks and they are there dancing, they are buried. Hey. For you up to three years, the child is too young to be dedicated, to be brought to church. They will catch diseases. It's by night vigil. You know, man, they are big. We were, when we attended this conference with Apostle Mose, he was saying, somebody told me, send me a, a picture of that redemption camp. What? So it's like all we did was just drive around. I started recording 20 minutes driving around that structure. I only recorded 20 minutes. And still, it can't give you a picture. You look at the video. You, it's like you can't take a picture of that place. A place that takes, is it about 3 million people? How do you take a picture of that place? And the testimonies you're hearing from that place, hearing great testimonies. One man who's one of the lumbar vertebrae, I think was fractured. It was even taken out like ribs and what. They told him he could not walk 60 years and what. And he said, I received a phone call from that geo. And he prayed for me, and in a week, so you are showing the different x-rays. The x-rays, a week before the x-rays, after all these bones are in, he can walk, and the doctors are amazed. And you can see how the whole crowd stands up, and, you know, they are giving glory to God. So a time like that, a time like that is going to come. Praise the Lord. But right now, there is opportunity, and that is why we have hotspots, we have cell leaders. Let them, if, if I can't know you as your pastor, let them get to know you. So the, you know, it is so sad. Actually, you would be regarded, I know some of us, it's because we are not taught, but it would be regarded you like a user. If when you get in trouble is when pastor has to know you. You are a user. You get what I mean? Yeah. Because I'm going to give you counsel based on what I, and that is why I normally say that even people who are coming to join church normally, I don't want to hear the bad stories about where they are coming from because I don't know you. What if that is your habit to go talk bad about every other pastor? I'm just here being added on the list. You get what I mean? Yeah, so let me know you first, then I can know what happened to you in your church or whatever. Like, I don't want to know right now. You know, just tell me, why are you leaving? Why are you coming here? You know, it is so important. Let, otherwise, people always run to people who don't know them for counsel. Why? Because they can easily understand and side with you. That is not godly counsel. You go to a total new stranger because you've seen them talk very well about marriage on TV. And like, now, this is the problem we are having with my wife. They don't know you. They don't know you. Yeah, you're the problem. Yes. And you see... <laughs> yes. You know, now I know, when I go to many of these churches, I don't allow their people to talk to me. I don't. Because see, they will make me the good one and their pastor the bad one. You go preach and then they start telling me, ah, you know, you, at least you, you, you know, you, are, you allow the Holy Spirit. Now for us, our pastor, it is, there is someone who told me, yeah, I, I have this and I, I want you to speak to me. So I'm like, no, have you talked to your pastor? He says, no, you know, everyone is called differently. So there is something upon you and something different upon our pastor. I took off for my dear life. I took off for my dear life. So if you're that kind of person, look at, in the last five months, how many people have you sought counsel from? Are they new people in your life? You're not seeking for godly counsel. You're, you're, you're seeking for approval in your bad conduct. Yes. Because people who know you are the ones who can tell you you're foolish. 
Yeah, whoever does not know you will not tell you you're foolish. Yeah, you did it again. Yeah. You did it again. Yes, Orango. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is people who know you. And you say, you know this because in high school, all that time, no teacher knew me. You see how students go like, oh, let's take this math question to the teacher. Like, hey, he taught already. Why? <laughs> he already taught in class. <laughs> you know, I never, I, I would never cross to the staff room. I would never go to any office. Because I was a very, I told you I was a child. I discovered I was a child. There are things I didn't want them to know. And that is the problem. Normally when you have authority around you but you keep far from them, you don't tell them. And you see, does not mean pastor is not all knowledgeable. But let me tell you this. There is grace that God gives to pastors because God knows that pastors are going to lead everyone. People more studied than them, people more learned than them, people good in certain areas. So a pastor may not know everything, but there is a blessing. And at times that blessing, even in what he does not know, he may just speak just by word of wisdom and tell you do this and this in your business. And you may say, oh, pastor, he's not a, he's not a good businessman. He's not speaking as a businessman. He's speaking as godly counsel. He's speaking as godly counsel. Yeah. Pastor, you know nothing about the corporate world and what? Yeah, I may know nothing, but God whom I serve knows everything about the corporate world. Praise the Lord. And as a pastor, I also interact with people. I can network you with people who can help you. So it is normally sad. Think about yourself if you're that kind of person. It is normally when you hit the dead end that you come. That is so sad. It shouldn't be that way. First of all, it means you don't consult with God first. Because if you consulted with God, you would still look for counsel if you are not sure. Like, Pastor, I feel like God is telling me this. But it may not be Pastor. I was telling you, like, we, are, we have hotspot leaders. We have, so we are going to create a very good network for discipleship. We'll have some people that we disciple. You get what I mean? Me and my wife. There will be people who are directly under us. Because the number will grow. And there will be people under them. It is so important. That discipleship is so important if we are going to grow. As church, we are meant to be a real family. And you see, we can be so big, thousands of people, but still have that family bond. But it will only happen that way. And you realize that even you as somebody who gives godly counsel, it is easy to give to people you know and you know that they listen to you. It is easier to speak to those people. There are people who come to my office and tell me, oh, pastor, I want to do this and this and this. And I'm like, okay, that's great. Let's pray. Father, bless them as they do it. And yeah. So they go, oh, pastor prayed for me. I had reservations, but I don't know you. Yeah. So I just prayed for what you want to do. Oh, pastor, it didn't work. It didn't work. Come, let's pray. Father, get him out of the situation he's in. Go. You need to be around people that know you. Let your hotspot leader get to know you. Let them know what you are doing. Let, them, let me tell you, it is a poverty mentality to think that being vulnerable destroys you. No one has been destroyed by being vulnerable, especially to the right people. People who love them and what? Just think about it, the things you opened up about. Didn't they make you a better person? 
Especially if you opened up to the right people, the people that you trust. They made you a better person. Sometimes you are even fearing and God told you, just go open up to so-and-so. And then you realize they were even more gracious than you thought they would be. And it has helped you out of that situation. So don't stick there. Don't be a loner. That's the trick of the devil. The devil works like the lions. You've watched documentaries of lions. They like isolated prey. They chase the wildebeests, looking out for which wildebeest is going to run its own direction. You know, that's why you see like when they are chasing the herd, they are not fast. Have you ever realized? Like they don't chase the herd very fast. They are scaring it so that one can, can be wiser than the rest. So that one can say, my own man, I don't like to be controlled. Which kind that church, that is control. They are, why, why should they ask about how many times I have sex? Why should they ask about how much I earn? They are controlling me. So when the wildebeest says that, the lions say, we will also control you. And that's what the devil does. And we've seen that a lot. Many people become loners, loners, and you hear something crazy happen. The devil took advantage of that. There is strength when we are in here. Even, even as your pastors, I have people that I associate with. I have people that I talk to. I have people that talk into my life. I have people that I go to for counsel. I have people that ask me questions. You get what I mean? Yeah, I have people over me. And I need to keep planning, keep receiving counsel. And at times sitting under them is intimidating. You're made to feel like you're literally doing nothing on earth other than consuming oxygen. But it grows me. I sit there, you know, and they are talking about different things that they've done, different things, and, <laughs> and like, you, tell us, what is happening in your church? They're like, <laughs> we, we, we had a movie night. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the best contribution I can give. But you see, I live and I become a better person. And the devil wants you to kick those people away, be your own man. But how good have you been at being your own man? In a multitude of counselors, there is, there is safety. Yeah? In a multitude of counselors. Hear what God has spoken to you. What has God spoken to you? Is it about taking a job? Okay. What, is it in line with the word of God? What job have you got? To be a prostitute? To be a bodyguard? To a drug dealer? To be... Go look at the word of God. What does the word of God say about that? If it is not so specific, it is not clear, go to godly counsel. Find out. There is this opportunity. And I'm not so sure if I should take it. Look at what uh, they are offering me all this and ask godly counsel yeah Rehoboam you remember Rehoboam he did a lot of evil in the sight of the Lord because he did not listen to counsel he went to the elders and when they spoke to him he also went to his peers you know many times your peers don't challenge you they tell you you're the best because you're the one who buys the drinks you know they they tell you you're the best 
It is just like, you know, I, I don't remember whether it is he. See, I think it is Kama who was, who was sharing his testimony. And you are saying like all these guys he used to drink with, you are saying drunkards have no real friend. And it is true, Paul seen that. You, they can steal from, you know, I saw this when I was in high school. I experimented also. My best friend who you have bought booze for will steal your money when you're there. He will steal your phone. And they will laugh at it. Ah, you are so drunk. You know, they all laugh at it. There's no real friend. No friend. And at times that is the same thing. They may not be drunk, but at times your peers, they don't feel like they have authority to speak in your life. You get what I mean? They don't want to argue with you. And at times they think like you. Yes. Why do you think that, you know, you say that even when it comes to income, that you look at the people you hang around, like the, the, the average income of the people you hang around, like in that five years old, you realize that you're all around the same level. So you always look for somebody higher than you to hang around. Because that stretches you, takes you higher. So now when it also comes to godly things, godly counsel, hearing the voice of God, why don't you hang around people that you think will challenge you? People who make you a little uncomfortable in a good way. Because that discomfort challenges you. People that may tell you don't go here when you want to go. It is so important. Godly counsel. Let's not be like Rehoboam. He came and did a lot of evil because he listened to the young people. And the kingdom of Israel was divided up to today because of his kingdom. Because he listened to the young people. Then number three and the last one. Peace. Peace. So Qualified by the word of God. Is it in line with the word of God? What does godly counsel say about it? Do you have peace about it? Do you have peace about it? Philippians chapter 4 verse 7. He says, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. That word there shall keep is the word shall guard, garrison. Guard, meaning like putting a what? Putting, yeah, a hedge, but of soldiers. Like he will put soldiers. He will put an army, an army around your heart, yeah? It comes from the Greek word, florejo, florejo, something like that. And it is to be a watcher in advance, to mount guard as sentino, post spies at the gate, you know. So he says, the peace of God, and this was, you know, verse 6 that says, be anxious for nothing, but through thanksgiving, prayer, and supplication, make your request known unto God. And the peace of God, that is the first way that God speaks. So this that God is with, this that you want to do, do you have peace about it? Do you have peace about this? Because at times it may be the only thing. Humanly speaking, all the other factors may be, may be perfect. You know? All the other factors may align. But not having peace about it is enough. As good as it may look, 
it is enough it is enough in Colossians chapter 3 verse 15 he uses the word God here for peace and now this word he uses God here is is a different word from what he's used in saying keep in say in, in, in Philippians yeah and let the peace of God rule in your heart actually rule in your heart that word rule there if you check in the Greek lexicon it will refer you to the root word and the root word means umpire we know an umpire we've played sports a cricket umpire does this what does that mean not Bakita anyone who knows what that means That's a four. Yeah? Yeah. And what does this mean? Ah, uh, not Mano. <laughs> yes, this does not mean one in cricket. It means six. Hallelujah. So an umpire, what does an umpire do? Yeah? Let me, let, let, let me read for you from, from the Greek. He says, shall umpire the, the peace of God to umpire your heart to arbitrate, to govern, figuratively, to prevail, but now umpire of uncertain, no, no, an, an award of arbitration, especially a prize in the public games, you know, like he will do that to your heart. In other words, the peace of God, it's like the peace of God shall give you the verdict, shall give you the direction to take. Shall give you the direction to take the peace of God. Do you have peace about this? So if you have those three, it may seem so wrong to every human being around you, but take it. You will be so amazed. You'll be so amazed. I'm sure that is what worked with Joshua and Caleb. First of all, Moses who has sent them is godly counsel. And they also remembered the word of God. God had told them to go everywhere. And God had told them he's leading them to the promised land. So from the word of God, they knew failure was not going to be on their path. Then Moses, godly counsel, wants them to take this land. And when they get there, they see giants. Those giants, those giants, could not could not change their decision because their decision was already made from the word of God godly counsel and the peace of God the other guys they looked at the giants more they didn't require the confirmation from God they didn't value the confirmation from God they looked at the giants that was the most important thing to them you see as they followed god that was okay you follow god and the peace of god shall guard your heart it shall guard your heart you just know that i have peace about this i have peace i remember uh, when we were getting married before we got married like i was so sure from the first day that she is the one i want to marry she's the one i'm going to marry and people are like oh but you know you hardly know her you know how do you how do you know you're going to get married we're like yes our wedding is next year at this time they're like you've not even known each other and you've already set the wedding it is just one year and you know 
all the godly counsel, the relevant people. We talked to my spiritual father, Bishop Isaiah. We talked to my parents. My parents have always been very spiritual counsel in my life. They asked all the questions they needed to ask. We, were, we met her parents. Her dad also even went, prayed about it, said he's praying about it. I think he even fasted about it. Very serious man of God. And they gave us a go ahead. They're like, yeah, we think these children are ready. They're like, oh, you're just 26. Oh, you're just this. Oh, you're... you know, men, whatever our peers say did not matter. Godly counsel had approved. We went to them. They gave us a go ahead. The word of God, there is nowhere where we were in violation of the word of God. And we had peace about it. There are many things we did have that many people consider. But we had peace, which was enough. We didn't have money. You know, you may be thinking money for the wedding. No, for fair. We didn't have... <laughs> you know, if I take you back to our wedding, you know, you would be like, you guys are either so bold or foolish. How could you know that you could get married? You know, none of us was working. None of us had a salary. <laughs> it was just like any advice from our peers around. I remember her dad told me, I know what it means to live by faith. If you're sure God has told you this, yeah, I'll not get in the way of faith. And it will surely pay. That's what her dad told me. Yes. Yeah. You see, all that on the way because God gave peace. There's confirmation. So I'm sure. So do you know this? Do you know her language? Oh, do you know how people behave in Uganda? Oh, you know, many people are bringing all non-issues asking. The real issue was sorted. We had peace in our hearts. And throughout our courtship, we never broke up and came together and broke up and came together. Never. Not even once. We had peace about it. And we went with it. Do you have peace about that decision? It may be a good decision, but you don't have peace about it. You don't have peace about it. It does not work. Godly counsel. There are some people who left the country some time back. They are talking to them with my wife, and they want to go this country, they want to settle in this country. You know, the country is good, it's greener pastures, there is this and this and this. And my wife told them, I don't think that is the way that God wants you to live. I talked to them. I'm like, yeah, it's true. And you see, because we just had somebody who had just gone to the same country, and you know, they, God had spoken and confirmed, they settled in. And these ones who wanted to go seemed even to be in a better place than the other one. So if there was anyone, things would work out for it was this one. So what you told them, but you know, didn't listen to godly counsel. And after they had just gone, I had two dreams about them coming back. And I sent them, emailed them, the first dream. And everything happened according to the first dream. Then got a second dream, emailed them. Everything happened according to that second dream. You know, so the, the, in the natural, all the factors seemed right. But I'm sure if we were to sit down and talk and like, did you fully have peace about this? You're going to realize that they didn't have full peace about it. And many times if you realize decisions you've made wrong, you're going to realize that you didn't have peace about it. 
you didn't seek godly counsel, you didn't have peace about it, or the word of God. Once you have peace about it, you say yes to it, and you fight all the way. You fight to believe what God has said. It, like I have said earlier, it does not mean it is going to be easy. Like the first one that I was telling you, they went. And things were not easy, but they had peace. This is where God wants them to go. They went, they, were, they went as a student. They failed to get school fees for the next semesters. You know, they are meant to be deported. I talked to them and said, do you have peace that God called you to this country? Has God spoken about this country? Yes. So I said, go to immigration. Then just report yourself. Let them deport you. Don't come back. And they went to immigration and say, I'm illegal here because of this and this. And say, we can help you. They helped them with the process and they got a job. Now they have papers. Now they have papers. They have a job in this country. They are married. They are okay. Very legal. Why? Because there was peace. So it did not mean things were going to be easy, but follow through in God's process still. Things may be easy, but it does not mean you're in line with God's word. And if the devil makes things so easy for you, you just know that he's planning for a big fall for you. If you know you're in the wrong direction, but things are working out, <laughs> he's celebrating already. They are lighting the barutis already. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can be on the wrong direction and things seem to be, you know, you know I'm not meant to be in this job because of this and this, but you know your salary is just being increased. <laughs> just know that the devil is happy. That devil is so happy. He's ha he knows that that fall, <laughs> it will be hard even in Afghanistan, in Kandahar. <laughs> they will hear that fall. You will fall with a thud. <laughs> That's how things worked for the devil. You know, they were working out, and it's surprising that no one tempted him. But you know, that's how things were working for him. He went and lobbied and collected some angels, and they're like, yes, a third of the angels, yes, we will follow you. He really felt like, kumbe the third was good. Even Jesus had it. I had the devil fall. Because <laughs> the fall was going to be big. Sometimes if things are working out so well, yet you know you are not in God's direction. My friend, you're in trouble. I've seen people planning for weddings and they know it is wrong. It is the wrong relationship, everything. But you know, as they plan for the wedding, the uncle says, I'll pay for the whole wedding. I'm giving the car. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Hey. Very soon. And you see, like I had said, when you realize things are wrong, walk back. Don't continue. Leave them. And just like I have told you, I believe God... I believe in correction, and that is why I believe in marriages breaking for such reasons. You get what I mean? Yeah. Don't stay in something that is hell, that is trash, that is... Hallelujah. Have we learned something today? Now, let's continue with our quiet time. Let's make that appointment. We learned last week that if we don't make the appointment, we'll miss it. It is simple. Imagine 20 minutes of your day. Every day. 20 minutes you just say, I want to hear from God. You will be the happiest person to come back every day with specific Just listen to the activity we had last week. How many of you are prophesying accurately to each other in just five minutes. 
So what if you gave God 20 minutes every day? People will be looking at your life and they're like, your life seems to be moving so well. But they don't know that you do the first thing. Your, your day's foundation is very good. You listen about the day. Because God is willing to speak. He wants to speak and he wants you to confirm. And you will see throughout the day that you are living by his counsel and good things are happening. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And to get up on your feet. I want you in three minutes, I want you to speak to God according to how the word has ministered to you. I want to speak to God according to how the word has ministered to you. What have you learned? Have you been fearing to ask for confirmation? But today I'll ask for confirmation. These big things that God has spoken to me, some of them seem to be scary. I'll go for godly counsel. I'll look them up in the word of God. I will allow the peace of God to be the umpire in my heart. I'll allow the peace of God to direct my decision. I'll not make any decision that I don't have peace about. I'll not be rushed in any contract. I'll not be rushed in any business deal if I don't have the peace of God about it. The peace of God is so important. The peace of God is so important. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who speaks to us, who guides us, who helps us. Thank you for everyone that came today. And thank you for the great things that you're doing in their lives. Thank you that you're raising a generation of people who follow the leading of your Holy Spirit. You say that they that are led by the Spirit of God are the mature sons. They are the sons of God. That these will all be mature children of God. They'll all be mature children of God. And they will see results in their lives. That from today, they see a change. They see a change in every area of their lives. Because of following your word. Following your voice. Your voice will lead them. They'll make the right decision. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We give you glory. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah.